0: 13 ticks left. They're going for it all with A.J. Brown. Catch is made by Seattle for the interception. Julian Love again. It, check out the left cho- toe, well, Joe. Yeah, the his field heel. was an interception. So he, the left toe is down. Oh, and yeah. the Right foot. Oh, yeah. Oh, Julian Love making the play of the night. Seahawks win this game 20 to 17. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Christopher Thomas. You're still listening to 98.5 WJYND, running back sports show, Sports for the Culture, on 98.5 FNWJYN online music box, and UptownRadioPhilly.org. And the audio that you just heard was from last night's Monday night football game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks, in which the Philadelphia Eagles have now officially dropped three straight games three games in a row and now are 10th four in the season and are officially the right now the number five seed in the NFC trail the Dallas Cowboys uh, the, the Cowboys technically have a tiebreaker over them due to better divisional record and now officially a game back but the 49ers now have a tiebreaker over the Philadelphia Eagles in regards to the NFC title picture so, we're going to have a pretty good discussion. My coach, Jamal will join us around the uh, 645 block. Um, if, you wanna, if you want to join the discussion, unfortunately, our phone line is still down. However, if you have any sort of questions or something you want me to talk about, feel free to message me on social media in regards to any topics whatsoever. But, to talk about last night's game. This was the best chance for Philadelphia to get back on the right track, especially over the last two weeks. You know, after, you know, starting off the season, uh, the way that they did, you know, um, 8-1, they they had a massive gauntlet. Um, You know, right after the bye, you had to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, then the Buffalo Bills, then you had the 49ers and then Dallas on Sunday night, and then the Seahawks on Monday night. The Seahawks were at the tail end of a four-game losing streak. Geno Smith is out. Devon Witherspoon is out. Tariq Willen was benched for at least the first two series of the game. This is an opportunity for the Philadelphia Eagles to finally right the wrongs and right the ship after... after losing two games straight. After losing... Really, really abysmally and really badly to both the Eagles and the 49ers. I mean, the Cowboys and the 49ers. However, also in the same token, you haven't beaten Seattle throughout the entirety of P. Caldwell's coach, P. Carroll's coaching career. And last night was also the first night of, you know, uh, Matt Patricia being the primary play caller for the Eagles defense after Sean DeDeSai was demoted. I will say this in regards to the defense before I really start um, breaking down everything else in regards to the defense, in regards to everything else. Matt Patricia actually did a decent job. I'm not going to say he did a great job because obviously, you know the results are the results, but. He, he did a decent job. You know, he had his corners playing absolutely on the sticks. Obviously, with Slayout, Bradbury is your cornerback number one. And the one thing that I do appreciate uh, Patricia doing is that he at least shadowed uh, D.K. Metcalf with their best corner. And which was, Br- which, you know, due to chain of command was Bradbury. You know, they play press man coverage. Uh, they got they got a few sacks. They got a bunch of pass breaks up. It's a really young secondary. You know, you, you have an undrafted rookie in Eli Ricks. You had a rookie, another rookie from Illinois, Sidney Brown. You had another rookie that uh, you drafted in the mid-rounds, Kelly Ringo from Georgia. Uh, Reed Blankenship, obviously, you know, this is his being his second year. You can only do what you what you really have at your disposal. And for what Patricia had his disposal – you know, and especially with, you know, what was given to them, they actually did a pretty, pretty decent job. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, slam Patricia, especially with what the defense has been over the pe- nearly over the past, you know, four game a month worth of games. The defense actually, you know, did its job. It held them to 20 points. If the offense actually did, you know, a much better job, then – we honestly wouldn't be talking about the defense at all, but you know, the young players that came out to play, Jaden Carter, was absolute was was great last night. You know, the the young corners, Ringo, Eli Ricks, were actually were pretty good. You know, Sydney Brown obviously missed a lot of key tackles, but I love the I love the energy. I love you know the fearlessness that he played. Unfortunately, Kent Walker realizes, like, hey, I'm one of the best young running backs in all of football. And he took over that entire second half. Now to get to the bad. As decent as the job Matt Patricia did, there's absolutely no excuse why you let Drew Locke go 92 yards in under 90 seconds to score the game-winning touchdown. This pass rush that got over seventy sacks last year has been legitimately non-existent, <sighs> and I don't know if we can continue to just make excuses for this pass rush. Like I don't know if if it's scheme. I don't know if the fact that you know the guys that we have are just aren't good enough. It, 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 it's frustrating to watch. With especially with the way Howie has constructed this team, with the way Howie constructed this team, and overabundance in regards to the defensive line, they still haven't taken over a game yet throughout this entire season. You know the linebackers are obviously bad. You know, especially you really have absolutely no nothing left, and obviously the. The biggest, the biggest one, obviously, the biggest negative mark last night was Bradbury, especially in their last drive. You have an undrafted rookie. You had another rookie in the fourth round that barely got any playing time up until last night because of the Darius Slay injury, and they decided to target number twenty-four throughout that entire drive. If it was a DK Metcalf, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, just running a go route for the go-ahead score. And let me remind you. Bradbury had an eight-yard cushion on that route, and he still got burnt. It's, like, these losses are just becoming comically bad. It's completely different. It's one thing to lose. You know, giving everything that you can, like, we we preach this. It's one thing to lose, giving 100% and doing everything that you possibly can to make stops, and it just doesn't happen. But realizing and coming to an understanding with these same mistakes over and over and over again and not really adjusting, at that point, it's just poor coaching. And to make matters worse, defense wasn't even the worst part about last night. The Defense actually did everything they possibly could. Up until that point, if you went to Seattle, you held them to thirteen points at this point, and you had an offense with the personnel that you had against a bottom five defense. Don't you expect your off? Don't you expect that offense to score more than seventeen points? And please, I don't want to hear about. I don't want to hear the injury to Like, oh well, we was missing Cam Jurgens. Jalen Hurts was sick. Like, listen. They were without one of two guys that are in the defensive player, the r- defensive rookie of the year race with Jalen Carter, along with Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's been really amazing for Detroit this year. <sighs> Tariq going to miss the first two series, and Jamal Jamal Adams was a healthy scratch. You had every single avenue, and every single ability to. Go ahead and put points on this put points on this Seattle defense. Everybody has done it this year. Except us. First drive, they look pretty good. The response drive when they became ten ten, it's good. When the Eagles want to be methodical and when they make running the football the spearhead in terms of how they conduct their offensive offensive production the offense doesn't look half bad, and the running game actually looked pretty decent. They actually stuck with the run for as much as they could. The issues is, is that this passing game, for no rhyme or reason, it just it, it just continues to just get in its own way. There's no rhythm. There's no consistency. There's nothing that from a passing standpoint in regards to play calling, does for Jalen Hurts to get in a rhythm. There's nothing that obviously gets Dallas Goddard involved for the next three quarters because as soon as he gets his first two to three catches in the opening series, that's pretty much it. We ran a bubble screen with Dallas Goddard with Devontae Smith blocking. Who's who is dialing this up? Like, 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 as much as we like to can Brian Johnson, and justifiably so, at some point, this is Nick's offense. In what offense do we think, like, hey, you know what's a good concept? We run a bubble screen with our tight end, and our six-foot, 165-pound wide receiver is going to be his lead blocker. Hey. You know this guy. You know the, the the speedster that we have, Quest walk into, hasn't really done anything for us all year long. Why don't we make him run a go route with the game on the line, with the game at the tipping point, instead of just running the football and running the clock out and putting and putting us in at least field goal range for Jake Elliott to at least make this a seven point game. I don't understand this offense. I've been nice. I really have been nice all year long. Hey, a win is a win. You can't argue with the results. For as bad as this offense is, for the most part, it's been a top-five offense, even with all those flaws. And as soon as they run... And as enough time has been able to develop throughout the entire season, they ran into some defenses that obviously they know obviously they know what's coming. Defensive teams that are way too sophisticated to fall for anything that the Philadelphia Eagles have you had Christian McCaffrey on the Payton and Eli uh telecast last night. Knew exactly that a quarterback draw was coming. He knew that Dallas Goddard was going to pull block, and they were going to run a quarterback draw uh, going into the right side. And Christian McCaffrey knows that, just by, just knows that. Don't you think defensive coordinators know that as well? This team is just laughably bad. It is. Like, everything about this team is just laughably bad. And it's just poor football to watch. I can't think of anything in terms of regards to what's his offense do does well. I mean, they're off. I mean, their running game is decent when they stick to it, but other than that, that's it. The entire passing concept is ridiculously inconsistent, and every single time it's a deep shot, it's just a prayer to AJ Brown. They don't utilize the middle of the field at all because Jalen doesn't like to. Because Jalen doesn't throw over the middle, everything is outside of the numbers. So if you defend the boundaries on. On the sidelines, you pretty much neutralize and take away that. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like this team is ten and four, and there aren't like any sort of solutions. There's. No saving graces. There's. You can't fix any of these problems with three games left to the season and then with the playoffs immediately right after that. You can't fix these problems. Um, it, like it, it, even so, then we're talking about like, hey, you know, we got the giant, we got the Giants twice, and you know, the Arizona Cardinals. We went out with thirteen and four. Yeah, congratulations, you're thirteen and four. And we are the equivalent of the Minnesota Vikings of last year, except the Vikings actually know how to move the football. Except there was consistency in in terms of what they were doing in regards to the run game. The passing concepts actually made sense. You know, the wide, they actually knew how to move the football. The only biggest cardinal, the only biggest sin about the Minnesota Vikings was just how poor their defense was. Other than that, they didn't have these issues on offense. I can't remember a team that had 10-plus wins throughout the entire season And we're this poor moving the football probably outside of the 2020 Steelers. It just doesn't make any sense. (sighs) Once again, and real quick, once again, you're listening to 98.5 98.5 WJYN, the Runabat Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. Um on Uptown Radio online music box on Uptown Radio org at ninety-eight point five FM W J Y N. But I it, it's it's frustrating football to watch. And People want to talk to me about like, well, you can't make wholesale changes. Like, I, like honestly, all this kind of reminds me of the 2018 Eagles. You have a bunch of disgruntled veterans. Um, like, whatever they're doing isn't working. The only difference is that 2018 Eagles, you can at least lean towards um, them being them them having significant injuries, as opposed to. As opposed to what's going on now, everyone's relatively healthy. That's why. Well, listen this this team is ridiculous. This team is a little bit long in the tooth when it comes to you know the older players, who you got players who constantly feel the need to defend themselves from you know, the fan base on Twitter, you know, Kendall Gainwell, you know, tweeting uh, you know, tweeting and retweeting, um, you know, during halftime. You have Darius Slay going on his podcast, you know, trying to justify his individual performance after, you know, losing after losing back to back weeks by significant margins. And now AJ Brown's getting into with Eagles fans now. And, you know, now people who are fearing that AJ Brown wants out. And three <laughs> it's just one big ridiculous and ugly mess and the only thing I can really think of right now that can remedy any of this is that you have got to find an offensive coordinator with actual NFL experience to coach Jalen hurts next year. That's the only remedy I can offer. That's the only solution I can properly give give to anybody right now to try to at least fix the offense, because what we're because you see the amazing job that Shane Steichen is doing over there in Indianapolis. The guy's missing his number one overall quarterback. He's missing the guy that he was he that he took the job to begin with, and Anthony Richardson. You know, he had a game plan to do everything that he possibly can to coach him up like he did Jalen Hurts. He's Anthony Richardson is now out. And he's doing all of this. He's in the thick of things of the playoff picture at eight and six with Garner Minshew. What does that tell you in regards to um, the coaching situation in Indianapolis and the coaching situation? Um in Philadelphia. Coaching matters. Being on the same page with your quarterback matters. Figuring out what works for him and what works what works and what doesn't work. And I don't think people really understand this, you know. And I think now there's gonna be a much you know, better understanding in terms of uh, coordinators in regards here in the city of Philadelphia because we saw this after the Eagles won the Super Bowl back in twenty seventeen when Frank Wright left. And we saw, you know, the offensive production significantly dipped, you know, after his accent, after his departure. You got to find someone with experience next year on both sides of the football. The fact that you had a, the fact that you now have, a, the fact that you have a Super Bowl window, and you're gambling it on two guys, two in higher housings, which I get, you know, earn your strikes, earn your merit, you know, work your way up, but you have a Super Bowl window now, and the fact that you're literally put your Super Bowl chances in the hands of two guys who have never called an offense or a defense before. Really has has kind of shut your Super Bowl window <laughs> because you have before the Sean side was initially demoted. There's reports that Kevin Byer was like, "No, we're going to do our own scouting report." You got Jaylen Minkin and audibles, and then you had Nick Sirianni trying to come out and say, "Like, hey, listen. In the end, this is my offense. This is this key. There's and we saw this back in 2020, you know." The Eagles were two and five with Nick Seriani calling these plays. Then Shay Saiti came in, stabilized everything, realizing what Jalen Cannon can't do. And the play calling worked. It was a lot more consistent. They ran the football. Deontay Swift is good. Why not give him the football? It's just bad. It's just really frustrating to watch how much this team. and there's like no solution to any of this well as of right now there's no solution but you're going to need new coordinators and honestly like you kind of have to do an entire facelift like I understand like oh well we have all you got to do is make these minor moves now there's no minor moves that can remedy any of this you have a lot of disgruntled veterans uh, veteran players on this team Scheme fit, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, your personnel is poor. And on the offensive side of the ball, like, what are you going to do if Kelsey decides, like, you know what, I'm going to retire after this year. Like, we had a legitimate scare last night when Lane Johnson got hurt. What are you gonna do when he decides to hang it up? Like after another year or two, like what's the backup plan for that? Like you have to go in the draft and possibly, you know, think about his replacement. You know, Bradbury and Slay. Like, I don't see those guys. Maybe, maybe Slay will be bad, but Bradbury is one hundred percent not coming back. You need to get younger in the secondary as well, especially at your corner corner spot. If both Bradbury and Slayer are just going to be one and done. None another, you, Bradbury's going to be a $17 million cap hit if they decide to let him go. And if they decide to hold him for another year, guess what? He'll be a $12 million cap hit. But, hey, I don't. <laughs> hey, maybe, you know, he'll probably uh put, fit the. Hey, maybe how he might eat that cost. He ate, he ate the Carson Went. He ate the Carson Wentz deal. But overall, this is This is just a giant mess. And I don't even And obviously I know where to begin. The problem is that is how are we going to do any of this? And that's just and that's the million dollar question. It requires for you. To eat a bunch of dead cap that for players that you had no business extending to begin with. And more importantly, going into the draft, it also forces you to change your defensive philosophy. Not your defensive philosophy, just the way you construct and build teams. This is bad football. You know, all these years in terms of going into the draft, and not prioritizing the linebacker position. You have no linebackers that are playing well, and the hope of Kobe Dean over <laughs> is kind of a question mark because he can't stay on the field and stay healthy. Like, what are you going to do for the linebacker position? Are you actually going to prioritize it? You're going to go in the first round or second round and actually get somebody who's actually going to alleviate that? You know, what are you going to do with the corners? how are you gonna build your defense who's gonna be your new defensive coordinator are you gonna keep Matt Patricia lose my opinion not a terrible choice because he actually has experience calling a defense and you're gonna give him actual actual pieces on that defense in order for him to succeed and what are you gonna do with the offensive line like are you gonna continue to Because I feel like that's the only thing Howie has been doing right. is the offensive line. Like, when are you going to draft Lane Johnson's replacement? Is it going to be Cam Jurgens or Landon Dickinson eventually, you know, taking over the center position for Kelsey? Or are you you going to look in the draft and see someone else to take over that position? You know? Like, what are you going to do about the running back position? You know, Gainwell's not a lead back. You know? Deontay Swift is good when you get him the ball, but (laughs) but he doesn't get enough. But he doesn't get enough touches, and that is my thing, you know. Because everybody else wants to talk about because AJ Brown wants to talk about like you know about like him and you know his, his lack of his lack of touches. If there's anybody on this team. That can legitimately complain about the lack of production, or the lack of touches, or the lack of utilization on this offense. It is literally DeAndre Swift. When you get DeAndre Swift the football, good things happen. He's a good, solid runner. He knows he hits. He hits the gas and he hits the zones hard. He's shifty enough to make people miss, especially when you get him on the outside. Hammer brilliantly. He plays smart football. That the last drive before you know the um, before the Quez Watkins interception, he managed to stay in bount- He managed to slide and stay in bounds to keep the clock moving. That's winning football. That's someone I can trust. That's somebody that should be getting the ball more. The Eagles had no problem last year when they had a lead. They they, they had no problem sitting on it. Heck, they did it. Week three against Tampa Bay with no issue at all when they were up two scores. <sighs> it's just frustrating to watch it to watch this team. And it has zero identity and zero consistency. Like, that is – that's probably, like, the biggest, like, takeaway in regards to, you know, the end. And, you know, when my co-host Jamal Thomas, you know, eventually gets on, we're going to talk about that a little bit, uh, talk about this more because because there's more to tackle on and there's going to do um, a little bit more of a deep dive in regards to, you know, the Eagles and the Seahawks. But, uh, real quick, uh, we're past 6.30 mark. Once again, listen to 98.5 WJYN, the Runabout sports show, Sports for the Culture, 98.5 FM, online music box at UptownRadioPhilly.org. Yeah, I'm just letting you know my co-hosts will be calling in around the 6.45, 7 o'clock mark to talk more about, you know, the Eagles' loss against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You know, we're also going to talk some NBA and uh, some other things that have gone on this week in regards to the world of sports. But uh talk about some other things that happened, you know. You know, there were some games on Saturday that happened. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing some really inspiring football right now. And they went ahead, they were down um a significant uh I believe they were down seventeen to three against the Minnesota Vikings, and Jacob Browning had you know, the game of his life, T. Higgins probably had, you know, the the, the outright str- uh, stretch to uh, keep the season alive as they beat the Minnesota Vikings in overtime. Hold on, we do have a caller. 98.5 WJYN. Hey. What's
1: up, Chris? How are you?
0: Yo, what's going on, Warren?
1: Man, I guess, you know, I, I, I was uh, getting off work when I heard your uh, passionate speech about uh, your team. I, I gotta say, I'm very concerned about the state of affairs of Philadelphia right now. Um, Your front seven, well, your back seven's kind of bad. I, I would never, you know, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect your defense to be, like, awful. Like, they've been playing historically bad of late, like 32 points a game. Uh, I'm like, your defensive line? Not worried about that. You know, Jalen Carter, Hassan Redick up front. You know, defensive line, Nick Shranches. Not too worried about that. They can, they can, they can cause even the strongest offensive line. I've seen it. But like, you guys don't have no linebackers. Uh, Sway is probably done for the regular season. Um, Bradbury was DJ Metcalf's lunch last night. Like, I. I you know, and Jalen Hurts is playing closer to the nine and eight Jalen Hurts as opposed to last year's Jalen Hurts. And, you know, if you told me that Philadelphia would drop like 20 to 25 percent on defense and like Jalen Hurts on the offense would take like a 20 percent dip, i I still think you guys would be like division winners, but I, I don't know. It's it's like you guys are ten and four, but you could very well be like an eight and six team right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I didn't expect Jalen Hurts to regress this season. I didn't expect like I don't know like it, like is it is it injuries? Is it is it Sirianni like getting too big for his biggest? Is it is losing both offensive and defensive coordinator like finally doing y'all in? or you just don't have the horses?
0: The answer to your question is yes, <laughs> but to break it down in terms of what you're asking, the play calling is poor. There's no consistency. There's no rhythm to anything that they're doing. Uh, in regards to Jalen Hurts, yes, he's been battling, you know, knee injury. He also was battling a sickness, but he still ended up playing. Uh, you know, and Jalen Hurts even called out the effort level in regards to. You know his team, and he's like they're just. A, he doesn't think you know a few of the guys on the team are actually, you know, committed to the season as much as he will, as much as he thinks. And also, is he
1: committed to the season, huh? Is he committed to the season? Because quiet is kept. He leads the league in turnovers.
0: Yeah, and I was <laughs> and I was just getting to that. And also, it's the fact that he's been also been playing poorly himself. Like he's been turning over the ball at a ridiculous rate, especially after he gets paid, and it's been an ongoing trend for Philadelphia quarterbacks that who, after they had a really good Pro Bowl caliber season, MVP level season, the following year they have a massive decline. <laughs> like
1: it, it, it's maddening because I'm 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 watching them and I'm like, and I'm watching the game. I'm like, all right, I'm like. Well, like, I, I was confident. I was 100% confident. I was like, oh, Philly goes out had balls out of the game. Go to overtime, eke one out, you know. there. You guys are like the 40-something yard line, 15 seconds in the timeout. I have no idea why Jalen Hurts threw that ball down, like, threw the ball to A.J. Brown like that. I, I, He didn't need the shot. Like, he didn't need that shot at all. And, like... Hey, great defensive play! Like, outstanding pick. But I looked at that play call. Was like, you didn't need it. You only needed like 15 yards. You're like, what the 45 yard line, right?
0: Uh, yeah, we was at the seat. We was at our own 45. Heck, yeah, even so if like, if he looks to the left, Gainwell is right there, and you had two timeouts left. Gainwell at least gets that ball to at least uh, the Seattle 40.
1: I mean, like I'm saying, you could have uh, quick slant, qu- like like quick play, quick play, get 10, 15 yards. It, it, we we've seen that Jake Elliott has shown he can kick 60 yards in adverse situations. So him kicking a long field goal to like a 45, 40 yard line should be scary, more or less, because we've seen him kick what a 60 something yard in the rain. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I just I. Like it even got funny. Like Christian McCaffrey was just predicting your play calls, and I'm just like, bro. If, if if San Francisco can see this, and teams like Dallas can see this. It's like if you guys don't, I feel like if you don't win the division and have that home playoff game, because I, cause I think you, like I said, you guys play out, you know, outside the San Francisco game. You guys don't really lose at the link for real. So like, you know, if y'all if y'all have to go, if they have if people have to go to the link, I'm I'm a. I'm confident that the home environment, even with a shoddy football team, would still pull it off. But you lose a division? I don't know. You can't – like, if you play – if y'all happen to walk into Tampa and you're the role team, I don't – it's a coin flip to me because of how y'all been playing and how, like, how – Tampa's trending upward, you're trending downward. It, it's, like, hurst has been bad. Now, I'm just going to call it, He's hurt has been bad for about a month, probably a little closer to two months. But they've just been winning, so it doesn't – they've just been winning, and he just had Herculean second-half performances. But he ain't been good for, like – a. he ain't been good since his knee been gimpy. Like, since the first time that his knee been, like, tweaking, and you saw him get hurt, like – two months ago or something like that, he ain't been the same. Mm. Even when I was watching Monday Night Football, and it was one particular player I was alarmed by. Like, he got the ball, and he cut. And, like, he had open field. But I swear, I felt like Jalen Hurts was moving like molasses. And he got the first down. But it just – I just was like – that took you nearly twice as longer than I thought for you to get the first down. And like I said, I don't know why they're not using Swift who gets like five yards to carry and he's producing almost a thousand yards of production on the ground. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like they've been bad. The, you guys are getting penalized on the, on the, on the, on the Philly, on the Philly push. Like it's, like, I don't know. I feel like Seriati's starting to lose control of things a little bit because I don't think he expected this team to be, like, decline. I don't know. Like, I'm not in overall panic mode because I still think you guys can make it to the Super Bowl. Like, I still think you can flip a switch. But if you told me you were a one-and-done team, it, it it wouldn't surprise me the way this is going. I still think you'll be 13-4. and four. I think you'll run the table, but I am concerned. Yeah.
0: Honestly, what does is running do? this able do? This team has already shown its hand that it's not a championship team. Everybody knows what the play calling is. It's massively predictable. Even Julian Love, the guy who made the game-winning interception last night, saying, like, we knew that Jalen Hurts was going to go to number 11. We all knew it, and that's how they were able to make the play. That's so, if everybody knows exactly what you're doing, then what does that say about your offense?
1: It's predictable. And it's crazy because you have a Pro Bowl caliber running back, you have a top five tight end who was productive at the start of the game, and for whatever reason, we're not gonna get the ball, guys. Got it? We're just gonna do our own thing. You have a one, you have a a talented number two one B ish option in Devontae Smith. And you have A.J. Brown, top five wide receiver of the game. I don't know the play calls. I don't know what they – I don't know if they want to run the ball. Like, when they – the best drive y'all had was the first drive of the game. First drive of the game, classic Philly football. Okay, you guys are going to mess up my parlay, but this is Philadelphia football. Run the ball eight, nine-minute drive, you know, you know, take down, you know, physical. Okay, cool. i, I was thinking, like, it's going to be an ugly 23-7 kind of game by you guys. Like, I don't think y'all go going to score a lot, but they're going to control the game. And for most of the game, that literally was what it was. Like, you know, I was I was, I was thinking, Drew Locke ain't going to walk down here and beat y'all. I was like, no, Gito Smith. And then, I don't know. I think I think the I think the turning point where I started to get I started to look like I don't know. Jason Kelsey gets called for the offside, and it went from third and one, third and six. You guys read the ball the very next play again. I don't know why you read the ball like I. That is, you 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 probably know this better than me. Does Sirianni not have faith in Jalen Hurts? Like, honestly, like, 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 shoot it stay with me. Because I've looked at the last couple of games, and granted, Hurts don't have the arm strength for this, but I don't, the play calling does not show me he has faith in Jalen Hurts and his abilities.
0: If that was the case, he would run the football more. If that
1: was. Well, yeah, but also, they, they it's like. They're, I don't know. It's like safe plays. Like it's it's either safe plays or predictable plays. Like, like they'll run pass option. They might do a quick short pass, They might do a quick short, uh, short, uh, play in the middle of the field. Depending on if it's if they don't get the first down or if they're not in third and short territory. Hey, we're gonna try to go to go route to either AJ Brown or Devontae Smith. I've seen multiple go routes, and I'm like, Hurts don't got the gun for that, guys. Like I like even with the pass interference, that that's still. A, even like I looked at the play, and I was like, "Wow, that's pi!" But also, that's a horribly underthrown ball by Hurts. Like he
0: <laughs> he doesn't have the arm for deep shots. It's it has to be an, an anticipation throw. But and, I no, like I no, I agree with you. And like we talk about this, like he doesn't have the arm talent. It's no secret. It's been that way since he was in college. There's a reason why. He's a second-round pick. Here's a reason why Joe Burrow was taken over him. Justin Herbert is room is um, um his teammate in college too. Attackable, you know that you're an Alabama fan, so <laughs> like like you obviously have seen the limitations in regards um, to
1: Alabama coaches of Alabama quarterbacks. You're right, they're bad. There's a they, arm strength is definitely a limitation in the Alabama quarterback university. I get you. I okay, so what is your prediction? What do you think? You go thirteen and four or go out in the second round The
0: That's honestly the out? best that's the best case scenario I can think of it this point. Thirteen and 13. four you have a home playoff game, yeah, hopefully you win, but I don't see this team whether if they got to go to Detroit or host Detroit here, especially with the personnel that they have. Can I even beat the Lions or the Cowboys or the 49ers? I don't. I think, there's no conf, right. There's no confidence in that locker room at all. It's all shot. And I think, as much as I hate to admit it, I really think the 49ers broke them.
1: I think, th- I, you know what, I'll before I get to that 49 comment, I'll say this. I think if you run the table... I think you beat the wild card team, and I think you beat Dallas and Detroit in the link. I think if you go to Dallas, I think if you, I think because Jared Goff can't play outside, and Dak Goff, and Dak Prescott is terrible on the road, and he's been terrible out and he's been terrible in most games against winning teams. So with that, with the evidence presented to me, I believe that this team is still with enough pieces around or, or enough talent enough to at least figure it out against Dallas because it's Dallas that people like, saying I don't trust Dallas to do anything this year. Um, the San Francisco game, I don't think, yes, it broke, I won't say it broke you, but it definitely was like this level of this level of effort that you have been producing is only cute for so long. And I just, I I think that this might be who your team is this year. It's kind of like how everyone, it, I, like, if you told me that Kansas City and Tampa, Kansas City and Philadelphia would both be like second or third seeds in their division in their conference, and they have issues that, are like, like Kansas City, I receivers catch the ball. They're like thirteen. They're, they're like twelve and three. They're like, they're like eleven win team right now. If Philadelphia's defense was 10% better. They're like, they 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 win, they win, heck, their offense, if they were 10% better. versus 10% better yesterday, they, they win. So, like, it's, it's weird, because, like, there's alarms for both of them, but, like, I don't know, I, I feel, I feel something has to give. Like, I feel like you guys, I feel like you guys be, not that's like the gauntlet broke y'all. That's that was, that was my overall thing. Too. That's like your, that gauntlet from Kansas City to Buffalo to Dallas to San Francisco to Dallas again. that five game stretch. Y'all just never physically and mentally recovered from like dealing with five emotionally draining games and playing so much in that time span. And I think that it just finally has now started to catch up to you guys. I think now that you have tomato cans the home stretch. And you I think you'll be fine. But I but I think that wear and tear of playing five really tough opponents in a row kinda like dig y'all in for a while. Like it, it, it cost y'all a one seed. Cost y'all a one seed for sure. But like that's that's where my concerns were. Like I you know, Hurts never seemed to be right and the defense has been bad and can't turn the ball over or stack the quarterback. And like it's crazy because all the games that they won in that stretch, it don't even, they weren't even the better team. The Dallas game, Dallas probably should have won that game because they played the better they played the better game. They just made their own self-inflicted mistakes. Kansas City dominated y'all most of the game. Jalen Hurts just found a way to win, and 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 M- NBS M- dropped a wide open cutty. Like Josh Allen. And them probably should have won, but it worked itself out. Like you guys kinda getting saved by the tick of your teeth. It, and San Francisco was like, You know what? We're just gonna push you to the ground and see if you get up. And you guys haven't gotten up since then. Like you guys were on, on, on Witten, you guys were hanging around like a puncher in the tenth round. And then y'all got hit with y'all got hit with a haymaker one good time. And it ain't been the same. And that kind of goes with the whole, uh, I guess, you know, gauntlet. Like, Kansas City went through that same kind of thing, and they're now starting to, like, eat the results of, like, dealing with tough opponents. And you were kind of, like, going through it. Only difference is right now, I think that your road is a lot e- a little easier than Kansas City. I think I've both on the table, but Kansas City's got to deal with, like, the Chargers with no Brandon Staley, an uh, Oakland team, and – I think somebody else, but I don't know. Yeah. One to ten, how concerned are you?
0: I'm not concerned at all. I'm just numb. That's the difference. Ten.
1: Man, they've broken you, my boy?
0: Yeah, they have. Honestly, my own, like, after that, my, I I had a partially rooting interest, you know, in regards to, you know, You know, the Bears finishing, trying to finish the season over 500, but, you know, the way that you guys lost to, uh, you know, Cleveland on Sunday, you know, missing that Hail Mary throw, like,
1: oh. I, I, you know, it's funny. I think that was, like, I had already, like, mentally had checked out, like, a couple weeks earlier in the season. When we lost that Detroit game, I bet we checked out. I mean, Justin Fields gets hit the first Hail Mary he throws, and he gets a kick. They might take it off. The, the statistician might take it off, and it was dropped fast, and they have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. But he got hit with a penalty that wasn't called. If he gets the roughly to pass and kick Santos, kick the field goal, and we don't even have to be in this Hail Mary predicament anyway. Robert Tunyon drops a wide open tutty that probably Cole Quebec bet to the Rams the route. But you know, hey, it's all on Justin Fields. Justin Fields, even with all of the criticisms and the amount of pressures and the, 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 his admittance that because he was pressured so much, he couldn't see, so he had to be, rely on anticip- anticipatory throws. He throws a heck of a Hail Mary that just happens to look into Mooney's hands. Has it. And he fumbled, and I get it you know, we're, we're, we're at home watching, but receivers get paid to catch the ball, man. Receive, like Receivers get paid to catch the ball. So, like, I don't know. I left that game just so numb to this season. We've blown three leagues of double digits because we have a head coach that plays not to lose is said to win and he takes the ball out of just the field's hands and that is probably the most infuriating thing that i have about this team i don't i don't give a this show has no profanity, right yeah
0: please
1: don't okay I'm, no i know that doesn't you know respectfully i don't give a dang if like you have if Fields is just like, hey, we go left fields, you know, let him have full throttle of the car. If he turns the ball over or he just throws the ball downfield or if he just I'd rather you let Justin Fields have a full range of what he wants to be and what he wants to do out there instead of instead of like restricting and limiting him. And like I would and you can't get no evaluation. Like this is why the whole Justin Fields thing is is weird because it's half the time, half the time he's making mistakes. The other half of time he's great, but a hundred percent of that time is the coaching staff doesn't know how to like how to like handle him in terms of what they want to do in the play calling. I've seen a play like I they, they, they ran the ball multiple times in short situations. And Justin Fields didn't touch the ball. It was jet sweeps, it was running. It was, and um, he's a big quarterback. Like, it, he, he a strong boy. Like, I can test Justin Fields, to give me a guard or two, no? Like, you, you you just if you watch the Chicago Bears, you watch the Chicago Bears game. You've probably seen some of the play calls. You see, you look at the ball, third and fourth, third and one, fourth and one. Would you not give Justin Fields the opportunity to get the first down, Chris, no, if you were the I, coach? No, I agree. And you running jet sweeps with wide receivers. We don't have one. This ain't Kansas City. You can't get away with Tony and Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice doing the jet sweeps and expecting. That's Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid go have a tight end doing a, doing a cartwheel and he throws a touchdown. We don't got that kind of offense, okay? Run the ball with Herbert or Fields. And you don't do it. You do jet sweeps like Bell. Like Vellas Jones and and DJ Moore, and then we go with like four foot four and we're up by ten and then Flacco gets a touchdown. The defense gets the defense generates three turnovers. We've gotten nearly twenty picks. We have eighteen picks this season and generated thirteen points off those picks. Eighteen to- eighteen interceptions. Thirteen total points accumulated from said interceptions.
0: I agree, but oh, I do need to say this. You know, the Montez Sweat trade, the de- trade that live has been a whole lot. <laughs> oh,
1: man, our defense has been outstanding. The run defense, outstanding. That passing, crazy. Bears defense is turning to, like, a borderline top inch defense in the league, all things considered. But the fact that we've blown three double-digit leagues, like, like I can like, – like, the offense, I can – Like, the Cleveland Browns game, offense, offense and coaching. The Denver game, defense. The Detroit game, defense. Like, this team could very well have been, like, 86 right now. Like, I look at the record. I look at the circumstances. Fields doesn't go down. We blowed three leads that he was present for. Like we could all jokes aside, this is. But when I said we could be a ten and seven team if all things go right, I wasn't far off base. I had faith that this team could figure out ten wins, just because I wasn't confident and I was confident in the schedule being kind of like easy, and I wasn't, and I and there was not too many people on this. On, There's not too many people or teams I was outright like worried about. Like Kansas City, of course they would really beat us half to death. Like. I was Detroit, I was like, we could we could, we could split against Detroit. Like Minnesota. We could split against Minnesota. I wasn't too worried about Green Bay with Jordan Love. Like he, like this year I was very optimistic. I thought that they would go believe in Justin Fields and at times he looks great. And then at times I guess I don't know. Like, who knows? I I think that this game probably I, like, I, I left this game like, well, Caleb Williams is going to be a quarterback of ours next year, and I don't like it, but it is what it is. Like, I look, like, I, I don't really care to see another quarterback. I like, I'd rather you just go another year, Justin Fields. Look, I think Caleb Williams is probably a far better prospect, but I also just don't see Caleb Williams having the same. I don't see him succeeding either, for real, to be honest. Like, but, like, that's just me. Who knows? At least, hey, at least you got Philadelphia. At least you got Joel
0: Embiid. Yeah, and, you know, the Flyers aren't doing too too bad themselves. All right, Warren, uh, appreciate the call.
1: Yes, man, uh, this was a great talk. We were able to vent our frustrations in solitude. Uh, you know, you know, I've been also, you know, I've been I've been really debating, debating on debating both trying to trying to do this WrestleMania thing. I'm I might try to hustle me a flight out there and have to and have to have to sleep in sleep on one of your couches or something. My brother cause, uh, <laughs> cause uh, I don't know No, if Cody go finish the story and Philip Brooks is going to do something, I yeah, you know, I mean I've seen Danielson. I've seen Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega wrestle this year. I, I could at least see if I could see Obviously, if I try to see an AJ Styles, if he makes a WrestleMania appearance about oh we'll see. We'll see. Yep.
0: All, right, all right, Warren, take it easy.
1: You too, my brother. All right.
0: Oh, man. It's always good to hear from more. Once again, you listen to 98.5 Louisiana Way at the Run Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. We are near the top of the hour. And uh, I believe it's about time that, uh, you know, my Steve co-host finally makes a, you know, his presence felt, you know, on, his, on our show. Once again, listen to us on 98.5 WJYN, on online music box and 98.5 FM, and now my co-host, Jamal Thomas, will be joining us. Yo, what's going yes, on, man? Yes,
2: sir. How we doing, my friend? How we doing?
0: You know exactly how I'm doing same way you probably is hello
2: yes i am still currently here
0: (laughs) all right listen man um the people have been hearing me talk for an hour man so um i'm giving you the floor my voice needs a break
2: (laughs) all right um how we doing out there ladies and gentlemen (sighs) um the sky is not falling I know we as fans like to do that. But what I'm going to point out to you is there's not much difference between the two teams that you see out there from last year from this year except for a few major points. And there are points that can be corrected. I just don't know if they'll be corrected this year. Um, and it's not so much as the personnel. Um, Shane Steichen was an incredible play caller. He understood truly what Jalen Hurts' strengths were and played to those. He made, some, he made the reads simplistic. He schemed guys open. And he was committed to the run enough for us to be effective in our downfield passing. game. He is no longer here. Now what Nick Seriani will tell you is, Oh, I always was part of the game plan. Just this guy calls, it." even if that's the case, whatever's happening with his game plan, Brian Johnson is doing such a bad job. Either calling it or Jalen is just doing a worse job executing than he did last year. I personally can't tell you which one is which. That would be something that would be revealed over time, but something's not coalescing with those two people in that dynamic. Um With that being said, um more than anything else, um I was just disappointed in what felt like our effort yesterday. I felt like we came out really, really like, you know, ready to go and kind of ready to play in the first half. And then I think when, after Seattle, you know, obviously weathered the storm. Um, for lack of a better term, I don't like to use this term. So I feel like, you know, this is kind of like fighting words amongst, uh, amongst sports guys. But it, it kind of felt like we quit um, towards that second half. And they just played like the team that, and, you know, this was kind of right, correct. They played like a team that needed this game to win to make playoffs. Um, with that being said. I still feel like this team is still 10-4 for a reason. Now, you can look at the negative part and say you lost three straight games. 10-4, you can look at the fact that you won 10 of 14 games to start this season. Um, We have to get back to winning formula, get back to getting the ball in our playmaker's hands in good opportunities. Run the stinking ball, Brian Johnson. I don't know what else needs to be said in that situation. Um... Offensively, I don't know. Our line hasn't felt as dominant as it has in years past. Lane's obviously battling injuries. Kelsey's a year older. Landon's been wishy-washy this year, still playing at a pretty high level, though. Um, Juergens is adjusting. Um, Jalen Hurts. I want to speak about Jalen. You know, Chris and I, um, I told you so, or some sort of victory lap is the wrong way to come off here, and that's not how we're trying to come off or at least how I'm trying to come off. I don't want to necessarily speak for Chris, but I know off-air Chris and I have had this conversation a multitude of times, and I feel like I've bit my tongue about it, but I think I need people to really understand what I say, when I mean, when I say, when I say this. Carson Wentz was the closest thing that we were ever going to have to a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. The fact that he is no longer who he was formerly does not lend to me saying this, But if you do not believe me, you can ask my very esteemed co-host what I mean when I say this, is that when Carson Wentz was at the peak of his powers, what he could do on a football field and what he could do for this football team is better than what Jalen Hurts can do at his peak. People can make all the jokes about who Carson was, yes. Mentally, I would much rather have a Jalen Hurts every day of the week. I can admit that, and that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about for what it takes to execute on the football field. Pre ACL injury, before the game in November of 2017, where Carson Wentz tears his ACL. The things he could do with his legs, combined with things he could do with his arms, are what the Joe Burrows and the Josh Allen. When Alshon Jeffrey said, "Hey, I want to come play with Carson Wentz. Cause I think he could be MVP of this league." I think people forget that this was the type of dude that people wanted. It just went to his brain. I don't know what happened. I. I I cannot necessarily speak to what happened in that situation. I don't have a I don't have an actual answer. But I will say that I say all that to say what does that have to do with Jalen is if things aren't scheme and schematically perfect, if he doesn't have this amazing cast of characters to play with and he doesn't have all these things going right, things will get weird for a guy like Jalen Hurts. And I'm being honest. He hasn't been as careful with the football thrown in the traffic. He's fumbled a bit more than he has last year, obviously. Um, And overall, when a guy isn't amazing throwing the ball, and I get it, he's made some incredible throws. I'm not trying to crap on him. I'm just being honest about who he is when people people like Michael Parsons or people on these shows, like Derek Carson, he can't read defenses, felt coded. But let's be all the way real. The guy doesn't read defenses great all the time. And it's, like, easy to jump on a guy like Derek Carr or David Carr, excuse me, and say, oh, you sucked in the league, and da 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 And that's perfectly fine. He did. There's also – we're also old enough to know that the guy got sacked the most times ever by any quarterback in his first year in the NFL. So, you know, like –
0: On an expansion team, by the way.
2: (laughs) On an expansion team, by the way. So, like, if we're just going to state facts, let's state facts. The guy was not set up for success. I will put it to you like this. And people might not like what I'm going to say, but this is some real stuff. You take 2002 David Carr and put him on the team, and you'll see how good David Carr really was. And that's a fact. Go look up David Carr Fresno State highlights if you think I'm lying. Ask my co-host if you think I'm lying. Because now, as being adults, you can contextualize things on why guys suck. Jamarcus Russell didn't suck. He just didn't want to acclimate to the NFL. He didn't want to lose the proper weight. He didn't want to study his books. And the Raiders organization didn't put enough things around him to win. Go back and look at those LSU highlights and tell me that guy couldn't have played in the NFL. I think people think that people not being able to play is left up more to circumstances than just someone sucking more often than not. Sometimes guys just think that's just like a fact.
0: Yeah. Sometimes
2: yeah. it's fa- outside factors. One of those and f- a lot of times it's outside factors. Excuse me, were you gonna say? Oh, no! And the funny
0: thing is, it's like I kind of want to tie that into you know the point that Cam Newton was trying to make last week in regards to yep. that, and people were like. Oh, well, you, you're out of the league, and like you, you, you're you weird, and you wear clothes. I'm just like, what does that got to do with anything that he says? He's right. There's only literally a handful of guys that you can count with your hands that are legitimate game changers in the NFL. And at the yeah. peak of his power, he was one of them. 2015 Cam Newton was the best quarterback in all of football. He was better than Rodgers that year. He was better than Peyton, and he was better than Brady. He carried yep. an offense that their number one wide receiver was Greg Olson. And you want to actually get technical in regards to wide receiver one, it was Ted Ginn Jr. and Philly Brown. Kelvin Benjamin, who was supposed to be their number one wide receiver, tore his ACL that year. Cam Newton had a combined 45 touchdowns that entire year. Yep. Like, he the got that team to the, the Super Bowl, and everybody wants to, you know, like, laugh at the fact that, you know, oh, well, he didn't dive in the ball, you know, against the in the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. Like, yeah, you know, that's fine with all that. But listen, the guy, the guy also literally carried one of the worst organizations in all of football out of obscurity. Yep. And he was legitimately that good. Like, and the funny thing is, is like, this is coming from, and both me and you were both literally was in the scam Newton as slander bandwagon when he came out of the twenty eleven draft. So yep. this is both of us both realizing what he really had, you know, and what he still was obviously like obviously still lack like, like inconsistencies, like obviously like throwing the ball. But he also didn't really also Carolina also didn't provide him much in regards to improve in that position. Like imagine him going to San Fran with uh would you imagine him being in San Fran with Jim Harbaugh and starting Colin Kaepernick at that time
2: exactly
0: Uh, imagine him being in Seattle with Pete Carroll like I think people need to really understand that you know it's not just so much you know a quarterback not being that good as opposed to as it is just you know circumstances around you like let's be 100% real as as good as that, as that, as Brock Purdy's been good, and people want to like, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, goes to Brock Purdy. Do you really see Brock Purdy doing anything close to what he's doing right now with the 49ers with that 2015 Carolina Panthers team? Be 100% no. real. Not at all. No. Not even a little bit. No. Do you see Dak Prescott doing that? Uh, no. Yeah, because let's be 100%. Like, and let's also do this as well. Like, Brock Purdy has been playing well. MVP candidate this stuff. Dak Prescott, he's also been playing really well, like outside of the, the Buffalo game, but but let's be one hundred percent real. When you go into the draft, are you looking for the next Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott? No,
2: like people, I mean, Chris. Let's be all the way real on on this one, right? Yeah. When Cam was doing on his rant about the game and about the game managers, right? We as Eagle fans, once again, I like to take a lot of breath of, of our stuff for Eagle fans because we don't we we don't like to take accountability. We're a lot like the more annoying fan bases in the league. We just don't talk about it amongst ourselves. When we, he when he didn't name Jalen Hurts, everybody thought that meant oh, well, Jalen's one of those guys. No, he's not. Jalen is more a game manager than a game changer. I'm sorry to tell you guys this. And it's a conversation that we need to have because we're now paying this man 200 and something million dollars. When you have perfect circumstances, and you have these perfect plays being called. You have these situations. He is a guy who can help. He's a guy who's going to stay calm. He's going to make smart decisions. And Well, he was going to make smart decisions. And he was a guy that you could, for the most part, trust to be in great positions, right? Yes. That is not the case anymore. Um, whether it's, you know, whatever you want to say it is or Whatever you want to say or think it is. Um, sorry. Uh whatever you want to think is the possibility of it is the truth of the matter is Joe Burrow, game changer, a guy who came in and changed that franchise's trajectory. Right? Um uh, Lamar Jackson, game changer, a guy who single-handedly came in and changed that franchise's trajectory. Patrick Mahomes. A game changer, a guy who came in and single-handedly changed their trajectory. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we say all of that to say, Jalen Hurst didn't single-handedly change our trajectory the moment he came in. He played with some spunk. We made some good plays. We went and got him some better guys. He played a bit better than next year, but I think people really forget when Nick first got here. And Chris brought this up the other day amongst us off air. So I'm going to bring it to a conversation on air. We were talking. And Chris brought up a great point. People forget because, you know, time and winning and things, change things. Nick Seriani was two and five in the first seven games of his Eagles tenure. Why? Because instead of realizing that your quarterback was best suited for a run first and pass play action pass type offense, you tried to make him a downfield, throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, make a bunch of reads, pick people apart, guy, which he is not. Um, With that being said, um, when you tried to do that and it did not work, you then said, okay, well, let's just try and run the ball. So you then put yourself in a position where now you have a guy who could, awesome, is uh, a primary runner, which is that first season where we realized what made our offense tick was that primary. Him is the primary runner. Miles is the guy. And then going to kind of play from there. And I had no problem with that being our team. I had no problem with accepting that, hey, we were never going to have Patrick Mahomes through the air, but we had a guy who would make smart enough decisions and could have make enough of the throws that with this team we have around them, we can win. And that was our formula. And sure enough, last year, that was awesome. We won 14 games. Um, we were easily the best team in the league. You could argue, you know, obviously with the results this year and how everything went, that the 49ers might have been a better team. But I think last year's version of the Eagles playing this year's version of the 49ers Beats that 49ers team or comes close because I we didn't beat ourselves, and our pass rush was 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 so dominant. And I think one thing we miscounted is Jalen Jalen Carter has been great, but he's not been who Javon Hargrave was last year with almost 12 sacks in the defensive tackle position. And that's okay. It's okay to say Jalen Carter has been awesome, but also that he has not been Javon Hargrave. Um. With that being said, um, I say all of this to say is that when you have to now think okay what does this mean it means that when this team isn't all the way right when you don't have the right coaches when you don't have the right guys you don't have a guy who can elevate you to win championships the keys have been a mess right they're now 8 and 5 um or you know i'm sorry they're 9 and 5 right yes they're now 9 and 5 they'll probably they'll, they'll probably finish 11 and 6 12 and 5 I have all the faith in the world that even with that weird receiving core and everything going on, they have a guy who that if he's right, he can beat three people and go to the Super Bowl. Lamar hasn't proven he can do that. Josh Allen has proven that he can carry his team, right? I still don't believe Jalen Hurts can carry his team. And that's the truth. People get mad. People say, oh, you just saying that in the hindsight. I always have believed that. Like I said, this is the truth. Anybody will tell you this watching that Super Bowl. We were the better team last year. So, like, us almost beating the Chiefs wasn't this, oh, well, man, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts took this team that had no business being here and beat this Chiefs team that was, like, dominant. It's like, no, it's actually quite the opposite. It's actually Patrick Mahomes was the one that took a crappy team and won the Super Bowl against the team he had no business beating. And so I say that to say is we did the whole, oh, we'll be back you don't win, but that's why you win Super Bowls in the moment. That's why you when you can go and you can win, you go and you win. Because you never know truly when you will get the chance to be in that moment again. And so, you know, with that being said, um, I'm not really necessarily upset with how things are going. But I'm more so upset with how people have lulled themselves into thinking our team is something that's not. And that's not to say say that we can't be a good team. That's not to say that we are not a Super Bowl contender. None of those things I'm saying because I still believe all of those things. I just think people are have a misnomer about what the parameters are for us to be that type of team, if that makes sense. We don't have a guy who can just go out and you give him anything and we're going to win games. It's not going to happen. So, um, that's my TED Talk on that. As far as the defense, um, Matt Patricia called a better game. There was actually some man coverage. There was man switches. There were timely blitzes. There was a coordinator calling a defense. Make fun of Matt Patricia all you want. I know we cooked him in the Super Bowl, this, and the third. He also has engineered some great defenses over there in New England. So, he knows how to call a defense. I wouldn't trust him to be my GM or my head coach, but he knows how to call a defense. And that matters. Um. With that being said, um, I I like the way the secondary played. I know late Bradbury sucked, but Eli Ricks played hard. Keely Ringo seemed to be more confident in that starting role. Um, Who else? Uh, Shaq Leonard was terrible. Kevin Byard was terrible. Jalen Carter was awesome. The D line in general. Shout out to Flesh. Shout out to BG. As consistent as always, both of those guys. Um, yeah. I just feel like the things on the offensive side of the ball can be fixed with play calling. The things on the defensive side of the ball, I think we just need to legitimately spend some time and some money on that this offseason.
0: I so. agree. Because last night you saw like it. At this point, like, Patricia called a much better game to Sean Desai. But a lot of the issues in regards to the co- coaching can only mask up so much. It's a lot of personnel issues. And, you know, and honestly last night it just shows me that, like, listen, Howie, you can't keep ignoring the linebacker position anymore. You can't. Because when you look at these teams who are actually trying to compete, they actually have competent linebacker play. The year that we won the Super Bowl, Say what you want, Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks are actually decent enough linebackers that you can actually trust to actually make a play or make a tackle or two when the when the moment needed to. Like honestly, next year just. Go to the draft and just continue to go young. I'm sorry like – and as – listen, how he ate all the dead money when the King of the Carson went, you got to start eating some dead money when it comes to these older players. Like, don't
2: get me wrong. I don't want to do – like, we're doing a lot of retro, retroactive stuff. What I don't want to do retroactively is the whole, oh, we shouldn't have brought back Fletch and BG thing because it's like those guys aren't the reason. Oh, no, not I'm working.
0: not saying that at all. I'm like. Oh, okay. I was going to say. I'm not saying. No, no, honestly, Fle- like doing. like Flesh and BG were like the only two people that actually got like a sack last night. I'm not talking about, about that. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Radberry. And I know people really don't want to say this out loud because. Slay. Yeah, Slay. And honestly, there's another thing. You, there's another thing you you called like a few weeks ago that nobody wants to. That is now catch-catching win, the whole A.J. Brown thing. You got to start reevaluating that as well.
2: Yep. I told you, bro, he's never made it. His 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 allegiance was to Jalen Hurts. So as long as Jalen Hurts was here, he wanted to be happy here. But he has never once been like, man, I, he's like, you know, he's enjoyed being here because he's been here week one and things like that. But let's not get it mistaken. He's never once been like, this is my home. This You can tell when a guy is like, hey, as long as this is going good, I'm here. Once this goes bad, I'm out of here. And I can respect that. I'm not even mad at him for feeling that way. I'm just like, I'm not about to sit here and as a fan, get my heart broken and become this huge A.J. Brown fan, knowing that at any moment he can request the trade because he's not tied to being here.
0: a 100. And that is like, I'm just also like, I get it. Like, the offense needs to overall just – Needs to be better in regards to, you know, getting into the rhythm and getting people involved. But to keep it 100, and I know this is going to sound crazy, he's one of the last people that should be talking about getting the uh, getting the ball. If anybody literally should complain about getting the ball and not being utilized right, it's DeAndre Swift and it's Dallas Goddard. Because for whatever reason, after the first quarter, this entire offense forgets that Dallas Goddard exists. Are you clapping? No, <laughs> not at all. Oh no! I was, I, no, I heard like like a little like slow clap. I'm just like, wait, what? No,
2: no, no, that would have been hilarious. But no, it's just like you're 100 percent right there. I just feel like where we looked at this team last year coming out of the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, we're going to be awesome. We'll be back next year. This is the team that's going to be a compete for years to come. And it's like, if this year is any indication, we might not be the solid, dominated organization we thought we were. And it's hard to have sustained success in the NFL. The Patriots made it look so easy for 20 years, everybody thinks that they can come up with the next version of that formula. But the truth of the matter is very, 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 hard to replicate that kind of success on a consistent basis. And with that being said, I still think there's a world where this team can make it to the Super Bowl this year. And I know for you, Chris, you're probably like, all right, Jamal, you must be tripping. But hear me out. Brian Johnson has to get out of his way. Like that more than anything else. He has to get out of his own way. If he can get out of his own way and really put himself in a position to call a better game, there is 100% a chance that this can turn around.
0: I no I agree from a personnel and like talent standpoint, I agree. I just think with everything that's going on and you know every I feel like everybody's now focusing on the wrong thing instead of like trying to come together and figure it out like like I said like Christian McCaffrey knew exactly it was going to be a quarterback draw last night. yeah Julian love saying at the, at the end of the at the end of the game last night saying like oh we we knew that Jalen Hurts was going to go to number 11. It's that predictability and, like, the fact that nobody really seems to be willing. Like, they could, like, here's the thing. Like, you can all, like, say all the right things in regards to trying to fix this or trying to figure this way out. But you can just clearly tell that, like, nobody is really interested in fixing anything because they feel like they're not the problem. I feel like in just that in regards to that speak in morale, like I just can't see this team, like, getting out of its own way.
2: You know, I just prayed it. I, I mean, in this situation, I definitely just prayed that you're wrong. Um,
0: yeah, it's funny. We, we switched.
2: Yeah. Because I feel like, um, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like it's rock bottom at this point. It's like if there's going to be a turnaround, it has to happen. And there's no more home cooking than playing this Giants team now. Mind you, this is a Giants team that's won three straight and is kinda of filling themselves. No, they lost last week, excuse me. Um, that was kinda of filling itself. DeVito's walking around. They're gonna the Giants fans are gonna show up for this game. They're not gonna take over the Link. But they're gonna show up for this game. Um, so it'll be interesting, man. This is Christmas Eve, this is a chance Christmas. to Christmas, excuse me. This is a chance to possibly take the division lead back, depending on what the Cowboys do that weekend. You were gifted a golden opportunity after the 31 7 win by Buffalo. Also, that lets you know that whatever happened in Dallas is literally a personnel thing because it's a Dallas team we beat early in the year, a a Buffalo team we beat, and then a team we got blown out by. These blowouts – blowouts are normally indicative of just either poor talent, which we don't have, or poor execution in coaching. Those are the two ways you get blown out. And if you got both, then you just get blown out consistently. Ask Carolina, right? So nine times out of ten, anytime a good team gets blown out by somebody like when the when the Lions got blown out by the Ravens, it was poor execution that day. Turnovers, giving the Ravens for a field, teams got momentum, then it had changed the way you play, it changed the way their defense could play, and then boom, you look up and it's a, you know what I mean? You're down, you're down three touchdowns. It happens. We've been watching football our lives. If it's so fast it happens, you can watch it happening. And so, um, to me, all of our blocks have been why what is going on? You're getting out coached. You let Dallas get off a team that had been historically scoring first, and you let them score first. Now, I get it. That means that they've just been executing at a high level. But the fact that you had nothing to combat that is the problem.
0: So, yeah. No, I agree on that part.
2: I wouldn't really know what else to say in regards to that. But, um, I did want to talk about where I think our Sixers are. And, um, I don't know at 18, 18 and eight, 17 and eight, excuse me. Yeah. At uh 17, eight in the season, pretty good record so far could be better. Should probably be better. Um, Obviously, Embiid's still playing great. I guess this is what happens when the role guys don't. And here's the thing, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to – I'm not, I'm trying not to do this to not crap on this guy because I feel like we already give him enough crap on this show. But I'm going to be completely honest. Um, Tobias Harris, man. Like, here's my issue, right? It's one thing to be like, man, Tobias Harris only gives you 19 a game. i got to live with that. Because at this point, it's like I'm not expecting 26 a game from you. I'm expecting 19 because that's what you normally give, so that I can live with. Right? Mm -hmm. My issue is when you're getting paid 35 a million a year, and Tyrese Maxey scores 29, Joel Embiid scores 41. You score three points against a Bulls team that's barely clinging to be close to 500.
0: No, I agree. And normally in the past, I'm gonna to i I'll say this. Like like the past like three or four years, Tobias Harris would normally feast on, you know, lottery based teams. Like he would normally put like a 15, 20 on and like give, give you like official shooting and good defense. But this like is beginning to be a really concerning slump now. Because this is probably the best well-constructed team that Joel Embiid has been around in regards to actually having legitimate forwards who can, you know, shoot the three, run the transition, switch off on defense, and all you're asking for Tobias Harris is just, yo, just give us 15 points to offset, you know, what Joel Embiid's giving you 30 and Maxi's giving you like 20 to 25. And the yeah. fact that he's not been able to do that on a consistent basis, like, Concerning. Very. Very.
2: Um, and that's where my whole thing is, is at this point we already broke down James Harden as um, you know, into pieces for lack of a better term, right? Yes. And you know, everybody agreed. hey, we're not gonna get what we feel like we really should get for Joel and B. I mean, excuse me, for James Harden. That's fine. And it kind of wound up working out because we got what we've always needed since we've originally traded Roko and Sarge, if you think about it laughingly enough, both of them stayed in the league because they were useful pieces. Um, versatile, effective wins. Guys who could pass, who could shoot, and who could dribble. Now, you know, air quotes with Covington and dribbling. But, um, you know, he's better now than he was when he was a kid. Um excuse me, had to get a drink of water. Um, he was better than he was as a kid. Um, it still doesn't mean he's a great dribbler. Be D- that as it may, though, he gives us the opportunity as a guy who can shoot and who can defend multiple positions. Tobias Harris isn't an elite knockdown three-point shooter, and what he has been in his career has been in a small clip and what is not what the NBA is nowadays. You and I both know that. Yeah. So, it's like his skills fool you into thinking he could be an awesome modern NBA guard, for NBA forward, but it's like what you need him to do and what he feels like he should get paid as or treated as are never necessarily same. Because I think like if you got to buy a pair drunk right, or like gave him truth serum, it was like, hey, do you think you're a guy who's worth $35 million? Be honest. Like, Do you think you go on a team and you really could affect winning at the level to be qualified as a $35 million guy? I don't know if he would say yes. And I may be wrong. Maybe he has the confidence himself to say yes. But I think he's being honest. He knows that's not true.
0: No, I agree.
2: So, um, at this point, I'd rather break him down for 65 cents on the dollar, whatever I'm going to get for him. Like, if I can turn him into, I just don't know who it is. Like, I'm just going to throw names at you. If I can turn him into Spencer Denwitty and Dorian Finney-Smith, I'd love that. But then here's where I'm saying that his value kind of sucks so bad to the point where it's like, do the Nets say no to that, Chris? I don't know. Like if we say, hey Chicago, we want Somo and um, and Patrick Williams. They'd be like, no.
0: Like heck, like heck. The uh, Detroit's interested in them. Let's just say, like, like if you're Detroit... whatever they
2: want to give me. That's I'm not even trying to be funny. I know they've lost twenty three points, but dead behind. Dude, like seriously think about this. You give us Bogdanovich and uh, 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 Killian Hayes and another small piece. I don't care. Anybody else on the end of their bench. Any, me, mighty moment. Isaiah Stewart. Let's go. We're automatically a better team. Killian Hayes is a guard who will come off the bench possibly. You, he'll know his role. He'll get toughened up by playing with um, Pat Bev and getting to play against Maxie. He'll shrug his sword. Like, Let's do that. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm cool with that. But why would Detroit do that? That's my point. It's like, does that make Detroit better? There's no team who would think we're fleecing the Sixers. They would feel like they're getting fleeced. And that's why this trade is so bad, because I think eventually it's going to get to the point where you either have to let them walk or you have to attach so much to it it is not worth it. It's like the worst asset in basketball right now. Like, is there a word? Like, it's funny because right earlier this year, shout out to Free, you might have been like, like before the year started, you might be like, Rudy Gobert is the worst asset in basketball. Because you can't really play him but one way. He's not a great offensive guy. He can't start his own offense. Um, And his contract's massive. And we traded five first-round picks on him, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're like, well, Anthony Edwards is here, so we don't really need these picks. Like, it would have been nice to get another star when we have a star. And he's going into his prime. You have another already established guy who's realizing he's a better, he's one of the better twos in the league instead of trying to be a one. And then you got a bunch of versatile defenders around him. That's your identity. Go get it. Right? And you see they're doing that. So now Rudy's stock has gone up. So now if you're just looking at the bottom of the league, Russ has found a home in the Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that's willing to be the glue guy, willing to be an energy. For lack of a better term, hilarious stuff, he's, just, he's just being Pat Bev with a Hall of Fame career. So the worst Andrew Wiggins contract has already run a ring. So you can say whatever you want about, you know, going to state paying that, but that's nothing to them. They they was going to be able to luxury tax regardless. They pay that contract a million times again if it came for a ring. He's literally a direct result of them winning a ring. So when you start to look at the worst contracts in the league, Chris, it's pretty much Tobias Harris now. Like the first Paul deal isn't as bad as it used to be because it's not where it was. I mean, you can say whatever you want about it, but the whole Golden State team sucks. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault or not, like good or bad. I don't think he's helping them be better, but I don't think he's making them worse. So, like, by a long shot, out of all the high-paid guys in the league, he clearly has the worst contract value.
0: Rally Bill. Bradley Beal. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, I have to agree. Bradley Beal is definitely one of the worst contracts in all of basketball. 43000000000 Uh billion. 43 uh, can't see on the floor. And honestly, even before that. Uh, his inability to stay on the court was even questionable even before he got traded from Washington. And the worst thing, and the funny thing is, two of the worst contracts are in the NBA. They're on my teams. (laughs) This is hell. The NBA guys
2: must be pissed at you right now.
0: This is hell, man.
2: (laughs) You got to figure out who you pissed off. Who you off? Excuse me, sorry guys. You gotta figure out who you uh who you made angry up there on Mount Ball Olympus.
0: Funny thing is, I wouldn't be able to tell you.
2: <laughs> no, you definitely draw somehow, some way. Maybe you dunked on a little kid somewhere or something. Right. Like one of those memes that's going around right now. You that some kid's birthday party. Say,
0: bro, I, haven't, I haven't dunked since high school, man. <laughs>
2: I haven't done dunked since high school. Can you never say, yo, you sounded like, oh wow, we really are old. That was our funny stuff. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, man. Bro, we're 30, stuff.
0: man. Like, we're getting it. <laughs> Jeez.
2: It's like when you think, like, when I be thinking about the league and it's like, wow, I would be a veteran in the game. Like, I remember when I was a kid and I was like, oh, man, this guy must be super old. And now you're like, man, I'm the same age as Bradley Beal. <laughs> 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 and it's like, I get it why his back hurts.
0: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but another thing I want to actually talk to you about, um, just briefly, is I want to talk about how bad the Detroit Pistons have been. They've been losers of 24 straight. Their Their overall record on the season is 2-25, and 25, and hey. I see a statistic over here, I saw a, a Crazy statistic: The Lions have 19 wins over the last two seasons, and right now, where it stands, the Pistons have the same amount of wins. That's crazy. It's like you would think that. Like, what do you think? Like, really, like, is the issue like? Do you really think it's the fact that the Jean-Claire is really not coming together? Is Monty Williams that bad, or, or it's just like poor organizational structure? I think these young guys, like, I think their team
2: might almost be too young. Like, I actually can't name you any veteran on that team besides Bogdanovich. And respect to Bogdanovich, but he ain't changing no lockdown room cultures over there. So, like, I say all that to say is this is a bunch of blind leading the blind. And it's like, Kane's been hurt, so he's not really ready to lead and dominate the way he can or needs to yet. So yeah, no, I just think you I just think you have a young a young organization who just might not be ready to win yet, that's all.
0: because yeah, right now nineteen wins over the last two seasons in basketball is crazy. And losing twenty four straight.
2: Even crazier.
0: Yeah. I mean we got I mean, when we lost we lost I'm, I mean like what was our record before like, you know, the NBA stepped in and, you know, Got rid of our general manager because of the, nine
2: I mean, and seventy three or something like that. Yeah, something like that.
0: Ten and seventy two? Yeah, something like
2: that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were bad. Hey.
2: That means I some, never want to go back there again.
0: Hey, that means for some fun hey, listen. That means for some fun on uh, shoot course out tickets.
2: <laughs> I'd rather be one of them teams where like if Mead is limping in like the last couple years of his career we like the eight seed, I'll take those
0: Uh, so you of Tony Roten days? No, I don't miss the
2: Tony Roten days.
0: Yes? <laughs> I, can't be- uh, man, I can't believe I'm trying to convince myself he was an actual NBA player.
2: We all did. This. Don't take it too hard. We all did. I used to have Tony Roden chance.
0: Let me turn up. <laughs>
2: Turn up, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the homie
0: Stone. Yep. Oh, yeah. Also, once again, I think we weren't on air. We're like, oh, by the way, shout out to Showy Atani. You know, 10 years, $700 million. $680 million deferment. After his deal ends. <sighs> it's insane. Yep.
2: It's insane. The craziest, worst number I've ever just like watched come up on a screen ever. I mean, obviously it's the largest, but it's just like to see that number is crazy. It's like a number that you'd like seeing, like an old Timmy Turner skit of like a guy getting paid or something like that. Yeah. Or like on Futurama or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, no, that's actually what people are getting paid now in 2022. Mm-hmm. Or 2023. Issue. Yeah, but Shohei Ohtani, Dodgers opening day, DH, 2024. <sighs> I don't feel like dealing with that for the next 10 years. I'm just glad they're not in our division,
0: I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you know, but we're in the same conference, so. Pretty much, if we want to
2: get back to the World Series, we're probably going to have to go to the Dodgers at some
0: point. Yep. Well, you want to know why? Because we're the perfect wild card team. You're like, man, the Dodgers have won 113 games, the most in franchise history. Here come the 88-winning Phillies. Well, Kyle world, we're leading off. <laughs> yeah. Ready say Yeah, but, uh, Daddy. once again, you listen to 98.5 WJYN, the run of sports show, sports for the culture, on 98.5 FM, online music box, and on dot And as you can hear, my niece is actually trying to get on the show.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. No, but, uh, is there anything else in regards to the NFL that happened in week 15, like, you want to, like, highlight real quick?
2: Um, nah, not that I can really think of. Yeah. Honestly, it was kind of a quiet week, you know. I Obviously, the Cowboys getting blown out was nice, but then us losing didn't really matter in that regard, so
0: yeah. Wait, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, Brandon Silly got fired finally. Oh, yeah,
2: your boy Bill, your Bill, your Bill Boller scenario might come, come to life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That, that Belichick prevention is going to hit different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yo, you're going to be
2: like the chancellor when he got, uh, uh, what's the new guy's name? Kyle Loren. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Raiders put up 63. I, it's funny, like, when I was talking to you about, like, yo, the Raiders are really just beating the dog out of the Chargers. You just like, and then, like, you called me back. He was like, bro, I, I knew it. He like, you told me they were blowing about You ain't tell me it was this bad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like you didn't say it was biblical. You were like, "Oh yeah, they beat the crap out of them. I'm like, "All right, thirty-four 10 I'm like, "Ha ah, ah. ha." I'm going, "I'm like, holy Christ! Is that fifty-six to 7? I was like, "That's that is a Madden score. That's not a real score. You tell your buddy to turn on and that's the game
0: score." Yeah. No, but other than that, quiet week. Uh, Jay Browning and the Bengals have def- uh are continuing winning. Shane in and the Colts continue winning. Lions get back on a winning track. Baker Mayfield had a perfect day in Lambeau.
2: <laughs> We're going to lose to the Bucks. We're going to be the wild card and go to Tampa and lose to the Bucks, aren't we?
0: Oh, don't say that. We definitely
2: are. <laughs> I've been thinking about it all week. I saw a graphic, and I just looked at it, and I was like, oh, he's going to lose in Tampa again. I'm thinking about Jalen Hurts. I was like, you look going to get out of it by Baker Mayfield. And Baker,
0: Baker going to go up there and give
2: Tampa Bay a heart attack.
0: Yo, know, if that happens, that's going to be the most bittersweet thing ever. I'm just like, wait, oh, oh, oh my Baker agenda is back, but at the expense of us. And I'm like, oh. No,
2: so it's like the analyst, you win. The evil fan, you is dead. <laughs> you really got eliminated by Baker Daddy. making you the bucks. <laughs> you like, Baker, cook this. Let's go. Baker, cook this. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, I, I told you. you all
2: about Baker. you all killing my man now.
0: Oh, man. But uh, on that note, we're going to end the show early. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to 98.5 WJYN. Uh, Once again, this is Chris Thomas. Jamal Thomas. And you've been listening to the Ride of That Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, on 98.5 FM WJYN, online music box, dot org. We will be back next week, and I want to wish everybody a happy holidays. In the meantime, please be safe. Cherish your loved ones, and also I'm going to double back on please be safe. Please be safe. Yep. Peace. Peace.